welcome to the Wimlex Show, episode number 38, presented by me, Alex from Spryker Systems, Lena from Bright Payment and Wilhelm from the Debt Agency. Today, our guest is Moritz Kuhn from Haglöfs. Haglöfs is uh, one of the leading outdoor performance brands. So uh, whenever you're going to go hiking in high mountains uh, or just need a very good rain jacket, uh, uh, you should look out for Haglöfs. Uh, Moritz is country manager, Germany, Austria at Haglöfs, and he's going to explain us how the business is working for such a brand uh, because it's a very special uh, brand, very, very known in the Nordic countries, in Sweden and Denmark, in uh, Norway. Not so much known in uh, um, Central Europe. Um, how he's going to expand, how he's going to use marketplaces like Amazon About You for his expansion plans. How important is uh, the direct-to-consumer arm of his business? So it's a it's a very interesting episode. And um, uh, on top of that, um, Moritz gave us a voucher code. The voucher code is Wimlex20 which means it's 20% um, off the Haglofs product. You can just visit their stores. It's valid from the 12th of June to the um, 31st of December this year. And you can use it one time and one time only. So before you go heading um, off to the Haglofs store, uh, buying your uh, next performance jacket or backpack, please listen to our episode uh, and be inspired of what Haglof is doing. Welcome, everyone, to a new session of the Wimlex podcast. Um, especially exciting this time because we're three again in the podcast with a special guest um, from a Swedish brand today, from Haglöfs. So it's Alex, myself, and Moritz here. Hi, welcome, Moritz. Thank you, Lena. Hi. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, especially because you and I were sharing a bit of a similar context. We're both Germans work, working in a in a Swedish setting. Um, please tell us about yourself and, and the company you're working for. Yeah, thank you, Lena. Um, as you said, my name is Moritz, and um, I'm the head of digital sales for Haglovs. Um, and uh, I'm in this, I'm responsible for our own e-commerce and our marketplace business. Uh, my background is both in branding, but also in commerce, um, having worked for uh, Adidas before and also Zalando. Um, and I have also a second responsibility within Haglos. I'm um, uh, responsible for the wholesale business for Germany and Austria. So, but the, the digital part um, is uh, based in Sweden. And for those listeners who are not familiar with the Haglifts brand, what do you produce? What do you sell? Yeah, so we are the progressive outdoor performance brand from Sweden. Um, we were founded in uh, 1914 by Victor Haglöf in Dalarna, Sweden. Um, so uh, basically, we really want to inspire people to get uh, to the outdoors. Um, that's our, our core objective. And most people would know us from mountaineering so pretty much nordic mountaineering products free ride or lightweight trekking um, that's really our core and we really do head to toe um, products so you can get any kind of textile shoes backpacks um, from our brand and that's it's not that many brands in the sector that go head to toe and um, our vision is to become the number one responsible outdoor performance brand so, can responsible. You, so, 
So Alex here, uh, um, also part of the of this uh, of this show and this recording. Um, can you give us a little bit more background um, about like outdoor progressive performance? Because um, uh, you know, if if as a mainstream customer, I would go to the next I don't know Sportcheck or whatever um, outdoor um, shop you could think about. It's like there's like a lot of brands. It's like very hard to um, uh, differentiate from a customer perspective. What are what are like the different like levers uh, uh, where you can that make a difference uh, uh, in those products and tell maybe tell us also what kind of um, uh, products you're selling it's like probably like uh, outdoor wear jackets is it also mm. backpacks so mm. we have like a better better understanding are we talking about the Reinhold Messner like uh, uh, yeah. outdoor activities here is it more like uh, people going to Ischgl if they're going to Ischgl in, in the your future uh, uh, anyway for two weeks or what kind of performance are we talking about Yeah, uh, great question. Thank you, Alex. Basically, um, it's more or less we could cover uh, all consumer types, but we are more for the specialist or we would call it the pioneer consumer. Um, so with more ambition and more where other people would consider this person to do extreme activities in the outdoors. Um, this is our core focus consumer. Um And the second consumer that we are um, targeting is the outdoor enthusiast. It's a little bit older, probably formerly been a pioneer, uh, but now with more uh, family kind of context. And what kind of product? Um, our core business really is the outerwear. And so textile jackets um, from rain jackets, insulation jackets, um, pants of course but also footwear and backpacks um, is uh, our core we actually started uh, victor hargloff started 1914 uh, creating a, a backpack for the harsh condition in the nordics so we covered that's what i meant with a head-to-toe uh, assortment so and, and maybe stick with like the sport check ex example here so yeah how many different skus would i find at a at a good globetrotter or sport check um, store uh, uh, looking out for hagliffs? Yeah, it, it really depends on whether you look uh, stationary or online. Uh, so in online, um, in a sport check, you will find round about seven, uh, eight hundred different articles. Um, so for us, an article would be a certain style in a certain color. So not considering the size. If you're going down on SKU level, on size level, then uh, this would be around three, three and a half thousand uh, different. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in a, in a physical shop, the assortment is much, much smaller because typically, um, as you know, a space is a quite a big space constraint. And this uh, consumer group is a bit more niche. Uh, so therefore, also the retailers select a little bit less product in that segment. Um, so you would find between uh, maybe uh, 20 to 50 different articles uh, in a stationary shop. Mm -hmm. I don't want to steal Lena all her all her questions, but maybe let me <laughs> let me ask like one more, then then we'll send uh, uh, back to, to to Lena again. Can you give us some uh, uh, some uh, um, numbers so people can get a better impression about uh, the size from uh, from Haglift? So I, I so before uh, we met, I did not know the brand. Actually, to, to be fair, uh, obviously I'm not an outdoor performance person, uh, <laughs> or otherwise I would have known it. But uh, so, how many people are working there, and how many countries are are uh, uh, you active? Uh, 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 before we are going to the more interesting questions about how you sell. 
Yeah. Yeah, we are um, we're active in 20 markets. Um, We um, are around about 170 people uh, worldwide. Um, The core of our business clearly is in Europe. Uh, which is run about 85% of our revenue. Um, and um, yeah, we are, uh, we also sell through uh, own stores. Um, that's 12 stores in the Nordics, primarily in the Nordics, um, six brand stores and six outlets. Um, and um, yeah, I know, I know you will ask the revenue question, but it's uh, below 100 million euro. Yet, yet, below 100 uh, million euro, uh, yet. Uh, it will be bigger um, 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 ASAP. Uh, Especially so, after the show, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I, I'm pretty sure it will, it, it will be bigger. So, but uh, what role does online play in this, uh, in this channel mix? Yeah, um, I guess looking at the current real sales share, um, it is still pretty low, around about 25 to 30%, looking at all of online, including wholesale. Um, but, uh, and, and our own online is, uh, is much, much less because we started quite late. Uh, so we are single digit um, as a internal sales share. Um, but of course, the, Online as a channel plays a very big role for us. Uh, we we face the same, um, let's say, structural challenges that everybody else in the market faces. So it's the same for us, and uh, yeah, you know, we've, we need to find the right strategy uh, to to get there. Mm. Lena. Yeah. So living in Sweden, I I know the uh, Haglos brand well, of course. Yes. Online acquisition efforts actually differ between the different regions. I imagine in Sweden, for example, people would probably look specifically for your brand. Is that a state that you've already reached in other markets as well? Um, yeah, of course, uh, there's quite a big difference in brand awareness between Sweden, as you said, uh, and then, um, let's say, the more Central European countries. Um, so in Sweden, we're in our target group, we have a, quite a high brand awareness, where in let's say the Dach region, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, we are really at a still fairly low awareness. So, but interesting enough, despite the different awareness, our mix of traffic is still very high regarding uh, direct um, and organic search. Um, so that's by far much more than 50% of our traffic. Interesting. And, What are sort of the main sources? Do, do you have any particular one that is working particularly well for you? Well, um, to be honest, we only started fairly recently with really more actively uh, setting up uh, driving driving traffic. Um, so search engine advertisement is something that uh, that we are um, now setting up in, in all our markets. So we are not... Uh, necessarily in all markets at the same matureness level, um, but definitely still Google uh, is is uh, the acquisition channel for us. Uh, social media, so Facebook, Instagram um, works also, but uh, looking at um, attribution, then definitely um, uh, search advertisement is uh, much more lucrative for us. Mm-hmm. And are you available on marketplaces? Does that play a role at all for you? Seeing that there's also several local ones in Sweden and, of course, Amazon. 
Yes, uh, of course. Yes, that's also part of my responsibility, uh, the marketplaces. Um, we are currently active uh, on the Zalando marketplace, on the Sport Check uh, marketplace, a German retailer, um, uh, formerly from the Otto Group, uh, and um, also uh, on Amazon. Um, but we are um, actively rolling out uh, further marketplaces this year, uh, primarily in Germany, but we are also looking at um, Scandinavian uh, potential partners. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the setup. Can we can we stay a little bit uh, um, uh, focusing on the role of uh, brick and mortar? Because uh, mm -hmm. uh, this morning I had a podcast uh, for Kassenzone with uh, with uh, with the uh, managing director of Vorwerk. Vorwerk is selling this uh, famous yeah. uh, Thermomix and Cobalt stuff, and he was saying, you know, it it he this will never be sold like online as it is sold offline because um, they are not competing on price and. That's a it is a product in a Thermomix case which you need to to smell to feel to really to really uh, engage with uh, with with the product values, and when I'm when I'm now trying to better understand your product, let's take like a, a jacket with a, a with with a, with a very good uh, um, uh, wind protection um, um, KPI, or which is very good like when it's like rainy weather. I think that's the same pitch the brick and mortar retailers like Globetrotter and Sportcheck gave to vendors like you, to brands mm -hmm. saying, okay, uh, we are able to explain the product values in, uh, uh, in, in the direct contact with the customers, something you can't explain just over the internet. And, uh, um, in, I didn't believe it for, for mainstream brands, for brands that you can easily buy on Zalando about you, whatever that are kind of, that people buy for fashion purposes but i kind of believe this pitch for uh for for performance brands like yep. your brand is um so um and when when today uh, a big brick and mortar chain would come to you and say let's let's build a shop in shop experience whatever so we can present your products in a much better smarter way i'm pretty sure that is something you've seen and done in the last like 10 years so what is your view on that now Of course, uh, you're, you're absolutely correct. So brick and mortar um, is not that and will also not be that uh, in the future. Um, however, um, the, the way you can explain and guide the consumer online, also for our more premium and professional kind of use case, um, is getting much, much better. Um, so there's definitely room for both channels, um, but because it's it, it requires quite some knowledge about the product and about technologies and how to use it, um, there's always a good use case for going into a specialty store to buy such a product. So definitely. Yeah. So, but 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 these channels are not growing. So you'd rather trust on your direct <clears throat> consumer channel uh, or to on other online channels? Oh, yeah, they are not necessarily growing, but uh, you can still grow as a brand by uh, winning market share. So uh, hmm. because we our brand awareness is, as I mentioned, not the biggest one, and we are more of a challenger brand in outside of the Nordics, uh, there's definitely uh, quite some market share to gain. Um, so from that perspective, there's still quite some potential. And how do you grow a challenger brand out of Nordics? Are there performance influencers uh, there which are promoting your product? 
Yeah, that's a, it's a really good question. Uh, so that's something that we are currently um, setting up um, and, and uh, I can't, uh, uh, I think our marketing director won't like it if I already uh, talk about it now, but uh, there is something in that direction uh, coming. Um, and uh, uh, of course, you know, the product is king first um, and creating the right innovative product um, and then over over the product and the right campaigns and the right channel mix, um, I think this is the, the way for success. And what would happen if you just enter a market, let's say, I don't know, is, is Hagler a strong brand in France, for example, or, or Italy? Um, or is it just like a, a still a very little challenger brand in France too? Uh, I would say quite a small challenger brand in France. In Italy, it's a bit different by region. So in the, in the northern part, um, we're definitely uh, much stronger than in the southern part, but that's due to the closeness to the mountains. Yeah. Okay. I got this. But if you would enter a market, let's say UK, uh, or a market where you're, where you don't have any brand awareness, um, yep. through a marketplace strategy, because it's easy, it's, it's achievable, it's like yep. easy to maintain and say, okay, here's Alando, please bring us to UK or please bring us to Poland. Yep. Uh, we don't invest in campaigns. Uh, you just get a good price on our products. Would that lead to to a good sales success, or does it need to go hand in hand with uh, with marketing campaigns, with influencer marketing, with all this stuff? We're actually about to try this next year um, in the more eastern part of Europe, um, where we want to lead in with marketplace first, uh, and then observe how this how successful it is before we invest in own ecom. Um, and then uh, with own ecom, we would of course need to look into uh, acquisition channels uh, to to get the brand awareness up. Um, but we have to also consider that we we cannot uh, spend millions in in opening up a new market. Uh, for for uh, you know awareness campaigns and and do you have do you have influential uh people as like old school influencers um how do you say in english mountain climbers uh is it is it the reinhold messners uh in this world that were always uh, haglev's uh, uh promoters um uh, with like a more international reach so is this something you, you were working with or is it, it was or was it really like the pure performance of the product um, that convinced lots of people in the Nordics market to buy Hagloss products? It's a mixture. Uh, so we we have been working with uh, athletes and we are still working with athletes. Um, and um, we also, you know, uh, have quite a good renome uh, in the market from the people that have our product. Um, I think uh, you yourself have experienced um, the the performance of the product is actually uh, quite superior. So it helped me. It helped me surviving uh, the farm business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good. Um, so um, yeah, so it's really it's a mixture. But of course, um, an athlete uh, as such, but also uh, people that um, you know are not necessarily top level athletes but really uh, influential in what they do in the outdoors uh, are definitely important for us uh, and we we work with um, uh, such let's call them influencers you see now what's your experience then with with Hagler products 
Me being a mountaineer, you mean? <laughs> yes, yes, obviously, obviously. <laughs> Having lived in Sweden for a long time, I still haven't gotten to the to the outdoors as much as I'd like to. But I am curious, Moritz, because obviously in, in Sweden you're not a traditional brand. Um, you've been around for such a long time. Is that at all reflected in the type of customers that you attract um, compared to those to other markets? I understand, of course, a functional focus. But is there a significant difference between the Nordic, say, Swedish customer and a German, French, New American customer? It depends. Yes and no. Um, I would say when when you look into the use case, um, there is a bit of a difference uh, in both the more hiking, trekking related, but also in the winter when we go into ski touring free ride. Um, and we can clearly see that the Nordic consumer is more um, focused on multi-day trips. So going out for a couple of days with the same equipment. Um, while in Central Europe, people would rather do day trips or like an after work ski tour kind of thing. Um, so, so that's, that's a bit of a different in use case. Um, but other than that, uh, both consumer types need the same level of performance of the product. Mm. So it's functionality that drives basically. And what about markets outside of Europe? Uh, actually, is there, hmm. I mean, the plenty of markets that would be interesting um, in terms of basically their love of the outdoors. Is that at all something that you're targeting? Or? Um, of course. So, I mean, we are, uh, I think I haven't mentioned it, but we, um, our mother company is ASICS, a Japanese uh, sportswear company. Uh, so we are active in Japan. We are also active in China, Korea, um, and also in the US. Um, and clearly, US and China are the biggest outdoor markets in the world. So uh, in terms of uh, market size, very attractive. Um, but it's not necessarily easy to uh, just go there and win the market while the competition is already out there uh, quite big. Um, so we are definitely considering. Uh, but... Uh, at this point, it, we are focusing more on Europe and really trying to get the market share in Europe uh, to a certain extent before we uh, really invest into going deeply into countries like US or China. I see. And if, and if, and if you look at this the other way around, so if there, there might be Chinese outdoor performance brands and there's always this saying that they... Uh, they have um, a different view on uh, production capabilities and maybe outperform you on like pricing or whatever. So is it easy to uh, like to copy your products or do, do you fear that there might be Chinese or Asian manufacturers um, um, that also go there like this um, performance uh, product way or uh, haven't you seen such a development in the last years? No, no, we have we have seen there are um, also brands in Asia uh, that go into the more Uh, performance angle, but uh, it is really tough, really hard to copy this. It requires a lot of knowledge, a lot of experience. Um, as I said, uh, we are established 1914. Um, so it's a lot of uh, experience that goes into that uh, creation and production. Um, so it's nothing you can easily copy. So it's not, we're not um, just a white t-shirt or denim uh, in fashion that you can simply copy. 
Yeah. Counterfeit products actually an issue though, because I think I I just recently saw another um, big brand in, in Sweden, um, Fjällräven, which is perhaps mm-hmm. a little bit more of a lifestyle product than sort of functionality focused. And understand they've had quite some issues with some of their backpacks um, being copied in Asia, and of course not near the quality. And I think it was tested for. Um, for all kinds of uh, substances as well. So nowhere near the original, obviously, as tends to be the case in counterfeits. But is that something that you have already seen? Or is that maybe not something that is a problem? For us, so far, that is not really a big topic. Of course, we need to always watch out and and be aware. Um, But I think in this special use case that you're mentioning, that's a very lifestyle-oriented backpack uh, that is quite widely distributed. Um, and therefore, it's a bit of a different use case and it's really more a fashion topic than uh, an outdoor performance topic. And I think that's that's really the big difference here. No, that makes, makes sense, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 I think it's pre- I think it's pretty cool. So uh, uh, let us focus a little bit on like the online customer journey. So hmm. um, when we are talking to other um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say like single product brands. You have like a, a broad arrangement of brands, but it's like you won't buy a vintage jacket like every year or like a, a backpack every every year. Then their main concern is building direct to consumer channels. That uh, it's probably very expensive acquiring customers. So you would uh, bid maybe on Google AdSense on performance backpack, uh, but Zalando could do the same bit, right? Um, yep. And then the <clears throat> the uh, the average um, basket size of Zalando is much bigger, and they have better ways to get the customer back for buying. I don't know um, socks, trousers, uh, you name it. Yep. Um, so if um, But on the other end, we know, um, and, and that's a topic I'm doing a lot of uh, research about, about the, um, about the uh, uh, platform economy, that um, eventually the uh, direct access to uh, consumers, that's a trick. You won't rely on platforms on the long term. And most brands kind of have like a, uh, have a very hard time to balance this out. So what is like the best way of gaining direct access Versus knowing that like bigger platforms like Otto about you, Zalando, uh, <clears throat> uh, whatever, uh, might have better um, uh, uh, customer economics. Yeah, <clears throat> very good question. Basically, uh, for us, uh, we see this um, as as a as a good mix. So we see that the platforms are uh, important for us to be visible to get the awareness up and to be distributed um, because these partners will be the one long-term winning and being being there um, to sell. So that's really to get uh, the first purchase ideally for the brand. Um, and then when people buy our product and experience the product, the likelihood that if they would like to either you know rebuy a similar product or a corresponding product so let's say you bought a jacket you're happy with the jacket now you're looking for an outdoor pant uh, the likelihood that you actually then say oh i actually like that brand and i want to buy the pant of, of that brand uh, is quite high that people are then going directly onto our website and so we're not trying to win the entire market, that would be unrealistic for a brand. This is really the core job of a retailer because they always have the advantage of a huge and broad assortment. We are there to serve the lover of the brand and somebody who really wants performance products. Mm. Yeah, so the brand decision has been been made more or less 
uh, prior to coming, um, unless we really would be bidding uh, for competition or for generic terms, which today we don't even do. And, and do you have any uh, any way to monetize a customer um, apart from selling in products? Are there like digital assets where I don't know uh, the the cheat map how to uh, climb a mountain mountain a little bit faster, like the shortcuts he might use uh, only available on the Hucklefs uh, app? No, not yet. Of course, we are always considering and looking for other ways of potential monetization. At this point, uh, and this is all about service, uh, service is definitely uh, something that we are looking into um, and whether we will monetize it or make it for free is it is still sort of uh, being discussed. But um, of course, for us to be able to serve the consumer, apart from our assortment breadth um, and uh, let's say some special makeups that we only sell through our web shop, um, is of course that service is an important part. And do you think um, that it might be possible? And we are seeing now a lot of lots of direct to consumer brands, especially in the US, uh, from Kylie Jenner to I don't know. There's lots of brands that are able to uh, uh, to grow even beyond 100 million revenue. Do you think it might uh, uh, it might make sense to think about like sub brands uh, uh, powered by such uh, influential people uh, that are maybe active in sports that can be associated with uh, uh, with with the, uh, the Hagler's uh, um, sports? Is it thinkable, or have you ever been approached by uh, 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 by, by by people saying, "Okay, let's do something together because you are building the best jackets, and, and I'd like to uh, uh, I'd like to create something together with you." I would say thinkable to an extent, yes, uh, but quite unlikely. Um, it's it's quite a, quite some effort uh, to create uh, this, and really, if we would create such a white label product for us, uh, that would we would need to it would need to monetize very quickly because it's quite an inventory risk, right? That you need to manufacture and produce, you have uh, minimum order quantities and so on. So um, we haven't been approached and I would be, I don't know many cases. Um, there's one brand in our sector that is um, such a vertical brand, um, but uh, it's, it's, it's not many. Of course, Amazon is trying to set up a few own brands, but apart from that, Okay, and, and how do you maybe that my, my my last questions uh, uh, here uh, until Lina steps in again? Um, how do you um, manage especially this kind of Amazon problem? Because uh, um, they might know uh, or they, they learn that maybe your um, your backpack is uh, is selling uh, very well, uh, um, uh, although it might be super expensive. So mm -hmm. and then they would try to produce something on their own, or like they would sneak their own products into the uh, our, our, um, product detail page and say, okay, you might buy the Sarklöfs backpack, but for only half of the price, you are getting a, a similar product. So something that Zalando about you would uh, use against uh, Amazon in, uh, when you are like in, in the yearly discussions with saying, okay, how how are we like growing together? How can we support you? So do, do, uh, how, how, how do you manage it? So, Yeah. Going back to the Forvac example. Yes. So they're kind of they're kind of super limited. They don't sell at Amazon at all. So when then yeah. when anybody is looking for a thermomix at Amazon, then I don't know, the 
grundig uh, uh, multi-kitchen-machine for 50 euro cam comes up. So that's not the best yeah. situation, actually. So you are able to sell uh, via Amazon, but knowing that they might, uh, might trick you in the future, how do you handle it? Yeah, and I think um, the, the, when we look at the consumer that shops on Amazon, it, it's more, uh, I would say, from our target audience, more the classic hiker. So it's a it's a consumer that is not willing to spend so much, um, mm. and so so lower price level, lower engagement, um, and from that perspective it it might happen that amazon is creating uh, something similar but for us we are a premium brand and we are uh, quite far from this all entry level business so we don't see this as a threat because it's an innovation um, that really gives us the advantage so from that perspective uh, we we would rather be happy if we would be copied in that case um, and not necessarily threatened. Okay. Lina? You spoke a little bit about um, production earlier and just a curious question. I mean, I imagine you, you ship everything from a central warehouse at the moment or how does how are you set up logistics? Yeah, um, basically the majority of our logistics um, we really ship from a place called Avista in Sweden. Mm -hmm. um, and for our marketplace business, we actually ship from a warehouse in Germany. So it's two locations, basically. It's two locations, yes. Mm -hmm. Primarily. I mean, we have a, a, a hub in Asia as well, but primarily mm -hmm. these two. And production-wise, it's, it's probably more international than that. Yeah, uh, production-wise, um, we are, um, of course, as most of our competitors as well, um, to quite a high extent in Asia, uh, China, Vietnam. Um, but um, we also have uh, production in Europe um, and a bit in the US. So it's um, it's spread across. And then, but also materials um, is spread across the world. We have materials from Italy, uh, also of course from China. So um, our supply chain is is a bit complex, but um, yes. I imagine. What are the um, the milestones? Seeing that sort of the history of of online sales is, is quite young in a, in a very traditional company. What are the milestones that you're most looking forward to in the coming months or the rest of the year? That's a good question. The milestones, I think for us, um, it's uh, the next step really is CRM. Uh, Alex was talking about customer acquisition and uh, and repurchase rates. And that's really uh, one of our focus areas that we want to uh, avoid too much of uh, acquiring the same customer uh, again and again, um, of course. So, so, you know, setting up our a CRM strategy and um, process and system as I think the biggest one that I'm looking forward to. And 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 who what are you looking into then system wise? Um, so <laughs> there are a lot of lot, lot of people like from the e-commerce industry vendors are listening now. Uh, and from a certain level, I'm 100 sure you're gonna run your ecosystem, uh, your infrastructure on Spriker. But like uh, looking at CRM, and I talk to a lot of brands uh, that are having a hard time finding the the right providers mm -hmm. and they usually stick to the um the email system and like 
kind of built around like the email system uh, to send more um, personalized email uh, uh, email messages. So, uh, what, what's 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 your view here? And they, yeah, you can demand anything you want uh, because <clears> maybe <throat> there's uh, somebody listening you can, who can help you. Yeah, um, uh, here this is a bit a tricky one uh, uh, politically. Um, as I mentioned, uh, we belong to the uh, ASICS Corporation, and system-wise, for our e-commerce suite, um, we really use the framework from from ASICS, um, and that is Salesforce Commerce Cloud for for the web shop, um, and also Marketing Cloud for the CRM part. Um, so, um, do we have some freedom here? Uh, yes, but um, uh, we typically follow the mother company and just, you know, uh, hop on. Okay, that's, that, that's a set information, but even ASICs can learn in the future uh, to choose the right to choose the right uh, tool when it comes to direct uh, when it comes to direct selling. Uh, so when not when not only products must make a difference, but when the selling process itself. I, I get the feeling a, you have an own interest in that. Yeah, that is uh, that is correct. But it's his own interest is 100% aligned with your interest, uh, uh, which is oh. winning. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but we don't need to st we don't need we don't need to stick here uh, on on this topic topic. So uh, apart from like integrating CRM and like rolling out uh, maybe into Eastern Europe uh, countries, uh, is there anything else you're looking into in the next 12 months, which is will be super exciting? Uh, definitely content. Um, so setting up the content strategy and um, reworking um, the, the customer journey um, so that we can guide the consumer uh, better finding the right product. And these are the, the things that I'm, I'm looking forward. And then that's more from the e-com perspective, but also further marketplace rollouts uh, is uh, uh, that will be quite heavily as well. And um, there's my, my, my last question for this podcast would be the marketplaces, they try to now get rid of the inventory risk. They, was, <laughs> uh, they, will, they will come to you and say, Moritz, uh, we will list everything you have. You have to take care of like the product information, of, uh, um, of course. Uh, we, might, uh, we might buy uh, some top sellers. Uh, so uh, 10 of your 808 articles we might buy and we take the risk, but we know we're going to sell them. All the rest that's on your inventory on on your warehouse. Yeah. How how what how do you feel about this kind of strategy and and how, how do you manage it? Uh, how do you feel? I don't want to say, but uh, this of course is a massive shift in our business model. Um, very clear. We were very wholesale driven, um, and now the wholesale partners and now marketplaces are shifting um, that risk uh, over to us um, so how do i feel about it well that's reality and um, we react on this by setting up our structure so we have our um, in our middleware for marketplaces uh, we have our um, warehouse for the marketplaces and we use one stock to serve all the marketplaces so that way we can make that efficient And ideally, we would also want to combine that with our e-com stock as well. So we have one stock and we can serve wherever the consumer uh, wants uh, to purchase it. Mm. Okay. So Lena, do you have also a last question here uh, for Moritz? I actually have a, I have a curious question. When talking about some of the plans that you have moving on, can you think of anyone that has actually solved this in your segment particularly well? 
not necessarily, of course, alluding to a certain competitor. Um, but is there some some brand that you think has really nailed this? Nailed. What, what do you mean by nailed this? For example, the focus that you were um, that you were speaking about um, in terms of establishing for um, moving on. Is there anyone that inspires you? Um, in our segment, not really. Um, but of course, we are trying to look uh, outside of our segment, especially uh, to get some more insights and 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 benchmarks. Um, but there's no other player that I would now call out to say this is really our role model that we are looking at. It's it's several different ones. Would you say that it's not being solved particularly well in your segment overall? Just yet, if there is no other business that you can kind of think of. To an extent, I would say that yes. Um, basically, you can look at uh, our industry, the outdoor industry, as being a bit a, a couple of years behind the sports industry. Um, let's say the multi-sports industry, but and that industry is a bit behind the fashion industry when it comes to digitalization. Um, so, from that perspective, it's quite uh, quite common that we are not necessarily. Uh, as an industry in a, in a leader position. Mm-hmm. No, because I can, uh, I was just thinking, I can probably name a couple of rather attractive brands in your segment in Sweden, but none of which I would say have been excelling in terms of their online presence so far and their mm-hmm. online sales. So that makes sense, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I don't know a brand like from uh, influencers that focused like on performance uh, uh, um, stuff. The, the stuff we have seen like in de- direct to consumer, like new brands uh, popping up or kind of like mainstream mainstream products, easy to produce, uh, um, high margins, uh, e- easy to though um, all product that uh, uh, ben- that would benefit uh, lots of the followership of those influencers. Uh, um, and you're like in very special, you're in a very special area. Uh, um, and uh, it's even promoting stuff uh, from Hagelöfs on Zalando and about you is kind of special because you have to target like maybe three, four percent of their um, of their users. Whereas yeah. I don't know, Adidas could target I don't know eighty uh, percent um, of the users. So it's, yes. it's su- super niche, and that I think that is like uh, that makes the challenge even harder yep. for uh, um, uh, um, for you. But it also protects against uh, um, other entrants from other markets because uh, uh, you really know your customers and it's there's not such a high churn. So when you ever find um, a customer uh, uh, for, for for your products and he's really okay with the products, like he will probably be very, very um, uh, loyal uh, loyal to your brand uh, all the next years. And that, that so that would even lead to a potential customer lifetime value value calculation some yep. some something that's not possible for for um brands on the on the lower end for mainstream brands so they cannot calculate in customer lifetime value you could maybe calculate in customer lifetime value which, which makes a direct to consumer um strategy even more uh, uh, interesting, uh, but obviously you would have to upgrade the technology stack uh, for, for for doing it. So that that's clear, I, I would say. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, Alex, I fully agree with your with your summary. Um, and you know we have such a a, a low claim rate, we call it, um, uh, that really our customers that have our product are so happy. Um, and that really brings them back. Um, so from that perspective, I can only urge everybody to give it a try and uh, and have a look at the fantastic brand. 
Yeah, very cool. I can recommend every listener here to this podcast to uh, uh, to buy a, ha a Hackloves uh, uh, product. That that's the last uh, um, the last uh, windbreaker uh, or rain rain protecting jacket he or she would ever need. Uh, it's 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 really cool. I think Lena will. Uh, agree uh, but uh, Moritz thank you for your time uh, we are all already like hitting the like 45 minutes mark uh, uh, which is optimal for our podcast uh, and happy to see you again in uh, real life after Corona <laughs> thank you Lena thank you Alex pleasure to be here I hope you enjoyed this episode if so please go to iTunes and uh, um, type in a positive review for the Wimlex show you will listen to uh, new Wimlex guests in the next weeks one of them will be the um, head of IT of Rose Bikes one of the most successful uh, bike manufacturers in uh, in the German market um, Philippe the founder and CEO of Mano Mano uh, will be guest uh, um, and we will listen to the story of uh, Volvo Care a very interesting initiative from the automaker Volvo from Sweden. Sweden.